John chapter 10. I'm going to pick up the reading at 11 to 18. John 10. If you're following along online, we are in John chapter 10 this morning, continuing our saga through the gospel of John. The Good Shepherd is the title, The Good Shepherd. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. John 10, 12. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and have known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep have I, which are not of this fold. Praise the Lord for that. Though also I must bring, and they must hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me. Listen to the power. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You want to know, did Christ ever say he was God? Yes. Almost every, we've seen through the gospel so many times. May the Lord's blessing to the reading of his word. Shall we pray? Lord, I pray that you take our hand this morning that we would allow you to lead. May we be following the shepherd, not going our own way, straying. All we like sheep have gone astray. And Lord, even we as Christians, we get off on paths that just aren't the right path. Lord, I'm glad you allow you turns. May we repent and get back in line with you, be with Becky this morning, especially even now as the doctors evaluate her in the ER, others recovering from COVID, others out on vacation, others uh, not feeling well at home. Lord, there probably are some who are just this, this, uh, just unconcerned. Lord, we have, live in a community of many who are unconcerned about their eternal destiny. We're reminded this morning, it's our uh, duty, it is, our privilege also to share the good news, how that you have saved me. And Lord, help you say to each of us, may we share this week, forgive me of sin, empty me of self, please fill me with your spirit today, be with Mrs. Stevens teaching downstairs, and I ask all these things in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You want to consider this text, if you would just look at verse chapter 9, 41, we see that the Pharisees and the scribes have cornered Jesus regarding the blind man, and the, he heals the blind man, he, the blind man is saved, and yet they are still remaining blind, and so really we go right into this story, if you would, about Jesus being the good shepherd, and think about and the hirelings being most likely pictured in the story, at least partly, are the religious leaders. So he's setting the stage because they are the false shepherds of Israel, and the religious leaders have been telling them to do all these things which really were not part of salvation or about the Messiah. Now, you know about sheep foals. Now, we don't have a lot of sheep around here. I think there are some. Area. There are some sheep over here on the Route 2, off there on where Pastor Ball's church. I think there's some sheep over there. There's some sheep here. Sheeps. Sheep here, there, and yawn. I, we know that. But the fold, really, if you would, uh, the Lord came into the fold of Israel the proper way. He says right off the bat there in verse 1 that if you climb up some other way, you are a thief or a robber. He came in the right way. So his credentials are just. Throughout his, Israel's history, shepherding had always been a familiar part of everyday farming life. The people all knew that sheep were, quoting now, the most helpless, defenseless, straying, and dirty of animals, end quote. They require constant oversight, leading, rescue, and cleaning, or they will die. Being a shepherd, really, he says, uh, was, is good training for leading people. 
being a shepherd. And you, I could not think of a more accurate, poetic thing to call Christians than sheep. I mean, we, are we not going our own way? We are so often. We, we fall over and we're batting our, we're up upside down. And yet, by the way, some sheep cannot right themselves up. They're, we're, they're kicking their legs and they can't get turned back over without God's help. Aren't you glad that God does offer forgiveness even for the Christian when we sin straying? He does. If you're taking down notes, number one is the contrast in men. First of all, we see the stranger in 1 and 5. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that enters in by, but not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Verily, verily, a.k.a. truly, truly, if you're listening now, I'm going to give you an important lesson, if you would, uh, what Jesus is saying sort of to the people. Truly, truly, I'm telling you. Now, now the shepherds would graze their flock, as you well know, on the, country, on the countryside during the day, then lead them back to sometimes a communal sheepfold. So perhaps... Perhaps there's five, we'll say there's five flocks in this big sheepfold and, and have the walls around it and they're protected. Now, sometimes a shepherd, especially if you're the only one with your only flock, he's going to lay right in front of the door. He's the shepherd of the sheep. Now, every once in a while, they might hire a doorkeeper called here a hireling shepherd. He's hired so the shepherds can go get a, a, few, a few hours of sleep while the hireling watches over the sheep. He watches the walls. He's right there in front of the door. And the only way, the only people going in there in the morning are the shepherds. And they take their rods and as they're putting them into, the, or as they're leading them out, they will check. They take the rods and check over the sheep and check for bugs and ticks. And I don't know if they have ticks over there or not, but they have all these things. Can you imagine how much stuff would get in the wall of a sheep? How many briars and, and burrs and all these things and I had to be checked over, etc.? So no rustler could get through with the hireling there because that was his job, but he truly wasn't the shepherd. I was thinking, as they named their sheep and called their sheep by name, how sad it would have had to have been when one of your sheep dies. I mean, we, we like our pets, don't we like our pets? And we see pictures of pets. I see pictures of pets all the time on Facebook, etc. And they have all these pictures, these cute little cats, etc. And, and, and Ivan will come up and jump in Stephanie's lap, and he can be a terror. And yet she's, she'll call him honey, and she'll, she'll pet him like that. Or hi, you little one, and, and she'll pet him like that. Even though he's been like rump housing all through the house and terrorizing the other cat. Oh, how are you today, little sweetie? I don't know what she calls me exactly, but you know what I mean. It's a, he can never do anything wrong. He's got, there's that show that has the immunity collar. If you put on, you got the immunity collar, he can't be held accountable. That's, that's Ivan. He's got, he doesn't have a collar, but he's got the magical immunity collar. So there's a stranger. In verse 5, we find that when a stranger, they will, they will flee from a stranger. So the religious authorities, in contrast to the true shepherd, they were the thieves. Now, you may have not thought about this, but a thief simply is one who steals by stealth, robbers are those who use violence. So a thief would come along and you never know it. He took this. I didn't, I didn't even know. I, hardly admit, I was looking for my brand new paint sprayer, but then someone came along at night and rifted the garage and took it out. And I've not even been able to use it. And then I come and find it at Mr. Womack's house. And so there we are, my brand new paint. He stealthily stole it. Or Mr. Womack comes up with his 38 Magnum and says, Pastor, I want your paint sprayer. Yes, sir, whatever you want, sir. That would be a robber. The first is a thief. The second is a robber. I want your paint sprayer or you're, you're going to heaven today. You may have the paint sprayer. I've not used it yet. don't even know it works good yet, but you can have it right off. So in contrast to the true shepherd, they were robbing Israel. They become the robbers. 
Thieves and robbers have slightly different meanings. Thieves tend to use cunning and deception. They break into your house when you're gone or asleep and steal without your knowing. Robbers are more aggressive. They hold you up at gunpoint and force you to give up your valuables. But in both cases, they don't dare or even care about you. They only want to profit from your misfortune. I remember when Stephanie was held up by a robber at, at, uh, at the bank over in Flatwoods, over in PNC Bank, and how what a traumatic thing that was for her. And every time uh, someone dressed in black with a black hoodie on or something like that brought flashbacks of being held up, it was so funny because at first she thought he was teasing. And it was, a, it was a, a practice. It was a practice until and she put all the money on this side of the glass window. And he, I guess, I don't know what point in time, he pulled out, the, pulled out the, the gun and said, no, put it over here. And so she slid it under, you know how they have that little dip where you can put the money and sit over there, et cetera. So, but she, she had, her, had him in and out in a minute. And so the police were very happy with that. But she at first thought it was just a, a drill. It wasn't a drill. Jewish religious leaders who were doing the work of the devil and not God, they climbed up the walls in the sheepfold and see they were, they were wooing them away from the truth of the Messiah by all their little minutia details that you must do this, 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 all these do's and don'ts. And the shepherd, the good shepherd, was right there in their midst. Their pride of position and desire for power. Their system of Bible interpretation, far from feeding God's flock, stole away the rich heritage. They were false shepherds. We have them abounding. I just read this morning how the, a pastor of a very large church in Texas called his patri- uh, congregation. Many of you are shoplifters. Shoplifters. Why? Because you come here and you get married here and you enjoy all the crew to me, hear the messages and you get all these blessings and hear the music and you don't give a dime. So you're shoplifting really is what, I don't know his exact words, but that's the mindset. I don't know if he's in a financial crunch or I don't give you his name because I don't want to catch a disparaging word. You should not be listening to this guy anyway, by the way. But, uh, but many of, probably some of you do. Uh, but that was, a, man, you're just not giving. I was... He says, 20% of you do 80% of the work. And I told my wife, I said, you know, we have a lot better percentage. Almost everybody in our church does something. And I'm so grateful for that. Praise the Lord for that. So he is, though, is the genuine. How do we know? His entry, he came in by the door. He was virgin born. He was born in Bethlehem. He came in the fullness of time. He's called the son of God. His arrival evoked to provoke rage in the enemy. Thus, he's the right person in the right place, the right time, summoned for the right country and attended the right sign. That's our savior. So he's the, he's the shepherd and through the door, not a hireling, not a robber or a thief. And they flee from him. If you've ever followed sheep, you will understand if a stranger comes into the field... They flee. I have found that when this cat, aforementioned cat who will not be named, is doing something wrong, he ate a, he had a big piece of fuzz in his mouth, and I wanted to grab him. He somehow knows when I have evil intent toward him or something, and he scatters. He runs under the bed, and he ate that fuzz. I don't know where, I don't know what's going to happen. I guess it's going to pass through the system eventually. But he ate that fuzz. I couldn't grab it out of his. Uh, and so sheep, when they see a stranger coming, instead of Oh, who are... No, you run. Except perhaps a stranger comes back the next day. They don't run quite as far. And then the next day, maybe two or three weeks, the sheep are getting used to that stranger. How many churches have gotten used to the stranger and have succumbed to his 
what does the Bible say? The Bible says in Acts 20, 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. My wife gave me a video about a lady who converted out of Mormonism. She said, I think it's either 80 or 85% of converts to Mormonism have a Bible background. 80 to 85%. The stranger, and then there's the shepherd in verse 2, 10 2, but he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. I like this, Philip Keller. A shepherd looks at the good shepherd. Listen to this. The relationship which rapidly develops between a shepherd and the sheep under his care is a definite degree dependent upon the use of the shepherd's voice. Sheep quickly become accustomed to their owner's particular voice. They are accompanied with its unique tone. They know its particular or peculiar sounds and inflections. They can distinguish it from that of any other person. If a stranger should come along among them, they would not recognize or respond to his voice in the same way they would to that of their shepherd. Even if the visitor should use the same words and phrases as that of the rightful owner, they would not react in the same way. Is the case of becoming actually conditioned to the familiar nuances and personal accent of their shepherd's call, end of quote. That is why five sheep groups of sheep, flock of sheep, can be in the same fold. And when their shepherd comes, it's like, it's like when the dinner bell rings, you got my attention now. I'll put down my video game. I'll stop practicing. It's dinner time. You got my attention. And that's the same way with the sheep. They know exactly. You can say the same way. And you do it just the right way. And here, uh, cast probably won't come anyway. But they know it's that, that's their owner calling for them for supper. All you got to do actually with our cat is tap the top of the, the can before you even pull the top off. He's not over there already. If the sheep fear the thief and robber, they, they, then they follow then the true shepherd. Interesting, I had not thought about this, but who, in thinking of Jesus as the good shepherd, in verse 3, to him, the porter, no pun intended, the porter openeth John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he's the one who's preparing you the way of the Lord. Repent, he's coming. I'm not worthy to unloose his shoe latches, etc. He was the porter opening the door and Christ comes through the right way. Jesus did everything right, correct, just so, just what had to be done. The sheep, the humans recognized at once the voice of the true shepherd and he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. The Jewish teachers would go back and say, well, Rabbi so-and-so said this and Rabbi this did this and Rabbi Halil and, and all these different people said these things. That's what they thought about that. But this man teaches as one having authority, not as the scribes. They had already had started the Talmud. The Talmudic conceptions uh, were already started flourishing and remember, they put aside or put the Talmud up on equal status, I believe, with the New Testament or sorry, Old Testament, because the New Testament by the Orthodox Jews is not an entity. Christ is not the Messiah. Go back to the Old Testament only. Burdensome additions to the law did all these things, but the common people heard His voice. My sheep hear His voice, and I will tell you today. His sheep still hear his voice because when they read God's word, the Spirit allows them to understand what they're reading. There are many who claim to be sheep. They're wolves in sheep clothing. And they really, they really are, are badgers who are trying to pretend to be a sheep when they're not. They're not. 
He calls his own sheep by name. Aren't you glad he knows your name? He even knows your social security number, the hairs on your head, etc. Aren't you glad of all those things? One man said he was visiting. It was uh, Leon Morris visiting uh, over in Israel. He saw uh, this interesting happened. He said, early one morning, I saw an extraordinary sight not far from Bethlehem. Two shepherds had evidently spent the night with their flocks in a cave. The sheep were all mixed together, and the time had come for the shepherds to go in in different directions. One of the shepherds stood some distance from the sheep and began to call, first one and then another. Then four or five animals ran towards him and so on until he had counted his whole flock. My sheep hear my voice. And he knows them all. And he knows when one gets out, he leadeth them out. And he, verse 4, when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the shepherd followeth him, for they know his voice. It's not that they send the sheepdog around barking and and nipping at their heels. No, he calls them and they lead. And he leads and they follow. What a picture for us. The Savior has led, and he will lead us if we will. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. That should be, we should be following the shepherd. It's when you and I, when you and I get off, <laughs> off on a rabbit trail, if you would, we get in trouble. He's now leading his sheep out of the constricting fold of Judaism. They had heard and recognized the voice of grace, and he has a new and living way. He's going to give his, matter of fact, he says, the good shepherd giveth his life, verse 11, for the sheep. He's going to give his life just within six months or less. He's going to give his life at Calvary for them. They know his voice. There was a, an actual a, a man arrested in Australia and charged with stealing a sheep. But he claimed emphatically that this sheep really was his. He'd just gone missing for many days. But the, uh, the one who was the plaintiff brought the sheep, brought, went to, and the judge could not know what to do, so he, he uh, brought the sheep in. So he said to the plaintiff, he's the accuser, go stand outside and call the sheep. So he went outside and called the sheep, and the sheep just like, mm, almost looked frightened. Then he said to the one who was accused, the defendant, now you, sir, you go out, you go out way out there and call your sheep. And so he started calling the sheep high-tailed out of the courtroom and ran right to the, the shepherd. Reminds me of Solomon and the two babies. One baby, sorry, two ladies, one baby. Ran right to him. So it is with the lost soul. There are many voices. How many voices are competing? On this phone right here, as we record the service, I have so much information I could tap into in this little three-by-five-inch thing. I mean, I could, the world is at your fingertips if you want to know what's going on in the world. And many of it's that we shouldn't be even looking into. But that's available. But, but we have so many voices yelling, screaming for your attention. I, I don't know how people, there's so many podcasts and all these things and radio casts and all these. You have got to decide what's really important. There's some good things. You just got to lay aside this one of the devil's greatest gimmicks is busyness. With things that aren't necessarily bad, but we lay aside what is truly, truly important. Many voices are competing for your attention. God should be, we should hear his voice. We should be listening for his voice. The contrast in the man, the clarification in the message, and we say some confusion and 
verse 6, some confusion. And this parable spake Jesus, or this parable spake Jesus unto them. But they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. So there's confusion. Uh, in a seminary, they had a quote. I don't know if it was on the wall. It said, a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. A mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. I'm going to try to be, I try to be clear with you. I do. They were confused. He did not understand the parable. Now, this word parable describes veiled or enigmatic, which means difficult to understand or interpret, interpret enigmatic language that conceals a symbolic meaning. Though the parable was presented plainly enough to the religious leaders, they failed to grasp the significance. They were listening, but maybe not hearing. Not the message, the problem was not with the giver, for Jesus was given the message. The problem was with they didn't have, they weren't tuned in. They weren't dialed in to the right station, if you would. They also believed that part of the Abraham, because uh, the same pastor are referred to either the shoplifters, is the same pastor also preaches that Muslims need to be saved, atheists need to be saved, but the Jewish people don't need to be saved in our era because they have been saved by the covenant of Christ and they can just, they're okay as they are. So beware of that teaching. We find that the, uh, an Abra- we are Abraham's descendants, so we're part of God's flock automatically. Many in Jesus' era fought. They're false shepherds. So there's confusion, and they're also listening to the claim in verse 7. And then said Jesus unto them, or then said, yeah, unto them again, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. They're confused by the parable, and now that he's saying he's a door, and it might, perhaps they were taking it literally. I found these four mixed up metaphors, and they're going to sort of make it, and maybe this is what they were thinking. Maybe they're trying to put two, into, two together and getting 13. Here's like four mixed up metaphors. Running around like a chicken chasing his tail. Stick your neck out on a limb. We'll burn that bridge when we come to it. That's about as funny as a screen door on a submarine. And so what does that mean? And so that's the idea. We don't, they don't I am the door. Well, clearly the door is, he's not a physical door, but yes, he is the opening. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It all folds, falls in together. When you understand correctly what he is saying, the emphasis is he is the way. He is the opening into God's kingdom. You find he is the door. As you know, the shepherd was the door. If he had just one flock, he would lay at the door, sleep at the door, guard the door on the way out. And then in the morning, he would lead his flock out, check them out. So no prowling, prowling animal could go through the door. And also no wandering sheep could get by him to get out. And so he was the protector, if you would. He examined them on the way out as they went out to the pasture. Verse 8, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. The true shepherd could not come until God's time. Moses and the prophets were not thieves and robbers because none of them claimed to be the promised shepherd. Like John the Baptist, they pointed to the true shepherd. All the others, though, were deceivers. The rabbis and teachers substituted tradition for truth and the Talmud for the Torah and the imagined oral law for the inspired written law of God. Sheep did not hear them. They, they were offering things that weren't true. The true sheep hear the truth of God. I just listened to, I forget what it was. Uh, I think it was one of the podcasts, Just Thinking Podcast. And it said, there are no unbelievers in God's church. God's church, no words, the true church is made up of true Christians. There really are no false 
believers in God's true church. Now, there are a lot of false believers in churches, and there are some who are in church roles who truly know Christ as Savior. But in God's Christ church that he's building, only true believers are part of that church. The clarification of the message, there's confusion, there was a claim, and then there's confirmation. Verse 9, I am the door. By me, if a man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. It is through Christ alone that we are saved. The world offers so much, but it doesn't offer any lasting thing. It's a passing fancy the thief is a threat to the sheep. The Lord throws the mantle of his protection over them. If we'll simply trust him, happiness is the Lord. Obedience, Christian, is what gives us happiness in serving him. It's when you're disobedient to God that things just run amok, if you would. You might not remember the name, younger people, of Howard Hughes, born in 05, died in 76, 70 years of age. He was worth, when he died in 76, $11 billion. That's a lot of money, especially in 1976. He wanted more, so he parlayed about $1 million inheritance to all his money. He wanted more fame. He wanted more sensual pleasure. He wanted more thrills. He designed and built the piloted the fastest aircraft in the world at the time. He wanted more power, so he secretly dealt political favors, and someone said that he actually became, uh, the two presidents became pawns to Mr. Hughes. He ever wanted more. He believed in the myth of more and more will get you better and you'll be more and more happy. I want you to know that he died emaciated, colorless. His chest was sunken in. His fingernails were grotesque, inches long corkscrews. His teeth were rotting black things in his mouth. He had tumors all over and he had innumerable needle marks all over his body from drug addiction. He died a billionaire junkie. Insane by all reasonable standards. He thought, man, more is all I want. He should have listened and read about Queen Elizabeth I, who like all her, almost her very last words were, all my possessions for a moment of time. All my possessions for a moment of time. Listen, you need to be preparing, preparing now for eternity. I'm come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. And he is the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep that is us. We might even say in the Greek, I am the shepherd, the good. Carries back to the types of Christ in the Old Testament. There was the righteous shepherd in Abel, the resourceful shepherd of Jacob, the returning shepherd of Moses, the royal shepherd of David. But he is the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He tops them all. He gave his life for the sheep. It was D.L. Moody was traveling with Ira Sankey, and Ira Sankey was on, on the train together, and he found this, this, this uh, poem. He put it in his pocket. You know, I, I might want to use that sometime. Well, that night, Moody spoke on the Good Shepherd. He said, Mr. Sankey, well, come up here and sing something. And Mr. Sankey, on the spot, pulled that poem out and put it on his little portable organ and started verse 1 and got to verse 2 or 3, but all through the mountains, thunder-riven, and up from the rocky steep, there arose a glad cry to the gate of heaven. Rejoice, I have found my sheep. And the angels echoed around the throne. Rejoice, for the Lord brings back his own. It's 592 in our hymnals. But none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night the Lord passed through, ere he found his sheep. 
that was lost. 99 immediately became a favorite hymn. He, on the spot, wrote the music for that song, the 99. Not only the contrast to clarification, there's chaos in the methodology for the hireling, verse 12. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd who is on the sheep are not. This is the hireling. He lacks commitment. They are not his sheep. It will not better his portfolio, so he's not going to have too much commitment to them. Verse 12, he seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catches them, and scattereth the sheep. He allows the destruction of the sheep because he is in it for this reason, for himself. How many have taken uh, Christians, uh, taken advantage of them by being in ministry for that? There is one of the very wealthy pastors, like $700 million is worth, was it five plays he has? I don't know, but I tell you what he's in it for. I can tell you what he's in it for. You don't have to even wonder. The hireling fleeth the proving, the person, the procedure, the proving, he, because he's a hireling, careth not for the sheep. Not our shepherd, though. The religious leaders, they were the hireling shepherds. I don't even care, blind men, that you can see now. We know that Jesus is an imposter. Give praise to God, Jehovah. But we know him. We don't, we don't believe in him. Their own power is what they were concerned about. Finally, we see the commandment of the master in 14 through 18. We see the shepherd. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and have known of mine. He knows them by name. He knows where they live. He knows about all about them. He knows about us. He knows about what we have coming up this week. He knew that Mrs. Hickman is going to have to go to the urgent care now ER this morning. He knows what is wrong with her. He knows exactly what she needs. He knows all these things. I lay down my life for the sheep. The shadow of the cross was getting more and more pronounced over the life of our Savior as he is journeying to the cross. He's going to be there soon, next few months. And, he's, and, and others that are still, the wolves are still among those he wants to minister to. There's the shepherd and there's the sheep in 16. And other sheep have I, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Have you heard his voice? Softly and tenderly he's calling through the Spirit. Come, follow me. Receive me as Savior. And there's the Savior. 17, therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. What a wonderful, powerful Savior he has. In verse 18, then there's finally the sovereign. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and have power to take again. This commandment have I received of my Father. All right, Muhammad, if you're so wonderful and Allah is so wonderful, where is this Allah and how has he ever died and rose himself again from the grave? How does that ever happen? Why are you worshiping that? Do you know the shepherd? I trust that you do. <laughs> I have four little gardens on the back part of our property there on the Heberlin Road, but I cannot say I'm a gardener. <laughs> Now, some of you have great gardens. You could come over, and I could come over to your garden and say, wow, no, that's a gardener. There was a true story told of a class, large classroom, and, and had two individuals come in to, to recite the 23rd Psalm. One was a great orator, and he had this real, probably deep, rich voice, trained speech technique, and he quoted the psalm in a powerful way. The Lord is my shepherd. And then he went on. And after he's done, they applauded. Oh, Lord, we want to hear more from you. No, no. You give the other gentleman a turn. And so the other gentleman was a pastor, who older pastor. 
And he, he quoted the, the 23rd Psalm. When he was done, there was absolute quiet. There was a sense of devotion. There was thoughtfulness. And so the orator got back up after the pastor had sat down. He said, I have a confession to make. He said, the difference between me and my old friend here is that I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. And that is it. I can almost tell you by the way we are living. You know the psalm? Nah. He knows the shepherd. I've seen it by the way he walks, the way he talks. I trust this morning, if you're listening online, that you truly know the shepherd of the sheep and that he is your savior. If he's not, would you receive him today? I read this quote to my wife even last night. The most important thing about you is what comes to your mind when you think about God. Most important thing about you is what comes to your mind when you think about God. He is my Savior. Let's pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this wonderful account. Lord, we hardly even scratch the surface of all that is in the verses that we read. Lord, we're thankful that you are the great shepherd. You are the good shepherd and that you gave your life for the sheep. Lord, there are so many hireling shepherds and there are so many wolves, just are just plain blatant wolves who are trying to, to voice and be heard by especially our young people. And, and there's a battle every week. We come in from one Sunday to the next Lord, uh, Lord's Day and we have this battle we've gone through and, and we're hurting. We've, we've somehow gotten bruised here or broken here. And Lord, we need to hear from you. Lord, encourage our hearts every week from your from your word. I can't do it. But Lord, your spirit can. And taking your powerful word, may it minister to our hearts and lives. May we this week live our lives as if we truly and do know the shepherd, not just the psalm. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.